thanks for joining us for another Catch Up Popsicles episode. We've got a good friend of ours and a partner up here, uh, Crystal Mackling. Hi, Crystal. Hey, Ryan. Thanks thank for having you me for, today. Yeah, thank you. We are going to talk about websites today. So it has become uh, a conversation with every client we have. You know, every purchaser is talking about uh, how they're getting educated. And I just thought, why not bring you on, talk about what you have seen, um, you know, over the last couple of years in trends, what you've seen in your career as a trend, um, and maybe some tips, tricks for some of the listeners to, you know, start evaluating their site, get an idea of what they're missing, and then start putting a plan in place to get this uh, piece updated and, and humming. Because I think as you're going to educate us, we're, we're going to realize that this is a very important thing. So um, give us a little background. I've, you know, I've heard bits and pieces of some of your stuff, but you've been doing this, you know, for a long time and have seen great uh, transitions. So talk to us about where you've been. Yeah, I, I really have been doing this for a long time. So I went to school originally for design and design has always been just a big part of who I am. And I've been really passionate about it. But, you know, back then web wasn't really much of a thing. And so there were very few opportunities to get formal education in web design and development. And so it became something that once I got out in the real world, I started seeking for myself in terms of jobs. And you know, I was self-taught in development and really started diving into usability studies and some of, you know, mm. following some of the greats like Nielsen Norman. And, and I had the opportunity to work for a lot of different corporations on, on their side of things, what we call the consumer side mm-hmm. in B2B sales websites. And then eventually found my way over to the agency side of things, which I thought was the best transition for me being able to help these businesses improve their marketing and their websites and the way that they show up online. So I've seen a lot of different companies over the years come in with you know, struggling websites and the fact that we can turn those around into a really pro- productive member of their sales team is you know, really rewarding. I like that. I like the way you say that. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it is amazing how much we, especially in sales, how much activity and dependency the success of a sale was on the actual rep. I'm not saying that it's not today, but the website does a lot of lifting for us now. And I think it's just going to get more and more um, power in the sales process. And so I would love to touch on some of the things that you know, you're seeing, trends, uh, best practices, maybe some mistakes if you've got some common errors that people will talk about. But um, I want to start by just understanding as we have transitioned into as buyers, as we transitioned into this more digital experience uh, on our phones, on desktop, uh, whatever, um, how have you seen the website change to meet the needs of that customer? Yeah, it's so true when you say that um, the sales process has changed so much. It used to be people hitting the pavement, going door to door, they'd take their binder, their brochure and have their packets and leave behind. And now, I mean, it's up to like 60% of the sales process is already done by the time you get to be done for the first time. And it's because of everything online. There's so much opportunity to go out and research problem that you're having before you need to even pick up the phone and call and talk to a real person. And, you know, we're all just used to hiding behind our devices, just the evolution of where we are as humans. But it makes it even more important for you to have a hardworking website that communicates all of these things 
things that you used to be able to rely on your sales reps to do. Yeah, I, I agree. And as I think about myself as a consumer um, and the sites that I go to, what I'm looking for, how quickly I can transition if I'm not getting the answer that I need uh, to something else and kind of leave those those poor folks that couldn't quite get the message across quickly enough. I'm already, uh, I've already bounced and left. So, um, but my, ex- you know, a lot of my experience and probably the folks that are listening is uh, interacting with consumer sites. But we're also talking about business to business sites, you know, selling to other businesses. What's the, di- what's the difference? What are we looking at here? Well, I think most people think of if I need a website, they think of like, oh, I have to sell a product online. I have to have, you know, a pair of shoes or a widget of some sort that I'm actually selling. And that's more of what we'd call a consumer website. You think of it when you think of going to Amazon and you're just, you know, you need that $20 something that you're going to go throw in your cart. You're going to buy right away. But when it comes to B2B, for the most part, a lot of B2B service, B2B products are in this fall in the services category, or they're a very high, they have a very high price tag. It is a product that comes with a very high price tag, or it's a software. And you have to think about the buying journey that your customers are going to go through. It's not just one decision maker for starters. It can be an entire team. It could be you have to sell this mm-hmm. thing up to the board. And so the higher the price tag, the harder you've got to work at that sale and the longer that sales cycle is. So, you know, there's a couple different things that a website does when you start to look at it from a B2B standpoint. Um, it, it needs to prove that you're a subject matter expert in this area. It needs to paint picture of what it's like to work with you as a learn long-term partner. That's something that comes along with those higher price tags and those service-based companies is that we're going to be in this together as a partnership and we need to know what it looks like. So the B2B, you've got, uh, like you said, a long sales cycle. You've got potentially multiple purchasing personalities. You could have compliance executives, uh, departmental leaders, uh, board members, and depending on how expensive your product is, usually what we've seen is the more expensive, the longer the sales cycle. And that mean this that means that this site is going to need to produce information about how to use it, who uses it, what it was like when they used it, and what type of success they had, companies that we've worked with, features, benefits, stories, thought leadership. And that's just one example of all of those. And you need to just keep ripping new content out constantly to keep this thing moving. Uh, I think that makes perfect sense to me when I look at it through that lens of how much information I am trying to collect in that initial stage of the buying process. Yeah, you're right. They are collecting a ton of information. And to your point about having great content on your website is because the sales cycle is long, they're going to come back to your site numerous times. They're going to refer other individuals that are involved in that decision-making process back to your site. And everyone's going to have a little bit of a different stakehold in the interest of this product or service. And so you have to have content that talks to each of their pain points and that interests them. And you want to keep that content fresh because then let's say your sales cycles several months, they come back in, they come in month one and then they come back in month three. And now you've got something new on there that's grabbing Mm -hmm. their attention and continuing to grab hold of them as a potential buyer. Yeah. So how do uh, the folks that listen, you know, whether it's marketing directors out there trying to evaluate is our site where it needs to be, or it's, you know, business 
business leaders that are debating, should I make, should I go and make this purchase or their value? Uh, what are some things to, to look at to figure out, is my site good enough where it is right now? Or do I need to get better? Yeah, I think one of those very first things that you can do the easiest is what we call the grunt test. Think of a caveman coming to your website and he takes a look at it within like three seconds. Could he grunt yes or no that he knew what it is that oh, you were telling? You want to make it that clear. I think you mentioned this before, Ryan, about like the short attention spans and the fact that you can open another browser and easily go find another provider within seconds. Yeah. You know, this is why design, where design comes in is you want to look great. You want to draw their attention in and look very, have a very professional looking website because that is the first thing that's going to attract them and get them to stay just a few seconds longer. Mm-hmm. But after that, really the copy is what starts to take hold by looking at your site and reading the first line of text on your website. Can they say this is for me or not? Yeah, uh, I agree. And I tend to scan uh, myself as I'm going through stuff. And I just need to know that the headlines and subheads are basically communicating everything that I need to know. And I will, you said they'll come back to the site if they want to know more. I find that even in a session of being on somebody's website, I'll do this cursory pass through homepage, scroll down, pop over to, I'll probably just right away pop over to Bryce just to mm-hmm. see, are we just generally in the neighborhood or is my perceived value of your product and the price like so far apart? So from there, then I'll probably look at some features. Then I might even go back to the homepage. Uh, and then I'll probably go back to the pricing page where I'm trying to just understand more and more and more. And then I'll come back. If they're good at pinging me with stuff, retargeting and things, I'll go back and then I'll research and they'll keep me on the hook. So no, I totally agree with the scanning. As people are looking at their sites or when they're going through the process, you got to have some common mistakes that folks are making. And what are some of the, you don't have to name names unless you want to say Pierre made a mistake, then you can tell, you can throw us on the bus, but uh, any common errors that you see in the, the build process? Yeah, I think we see a lot of the same errors happening, same mistakes you make over and over again from site to site. And some of that's just because things evolve and change. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it is maybe you didn't quite employ the right person the first time around or the right team to help you build your site. But any for any, at any point now, it's so, it's so, so important to have just something as simple as a lead magnet on your site. Uh, offer up some sort of educational content, some sort of value in exchange for an email address. That's how you start to collect those leads. And like you said, nurture them. So then you want to communicate. You've your B2B, you have a longer sales cycle. You want to continue to communicate with them. They may not be ready to talk to you on day one. And so how do we stay in touch and show value? Um, I think you said something with the fact that the way you operate on a website. It's not a book. You're not sitting down to read a novel. You're scanning. You're, we all have short attention spans. We're trying to figure out quickly if this site or this company yeah. or service is for us. And so we move quickly around the site. And I think another big mistake that I see people do is having just way too much copy on their website. It's all the same font size and it's paragraphs and paragraphs of trying to explain who they are and how they add value. And that's just not the way that we as humans digest that information. Like you said, we're scanning around. We're looking for things that stand out to us. Um, We're not interested in a company that's just talking all about them and how great they are. We want to know how that company helps solve our problems Mm -hmm. and what it's like to work with them 
when we talk about the copy and how people put too much, I also see these people failing to, as their site responds down and it gets into mobile, cutting that copy. At, like you don't, your site does not need to be communicating the same exact content at a desktop level that it does at a mobile level. Because we talk about scanning, massive scanning on a phone. Like it is just, it is one scroll. You cannot litter it with a whole page of words. Um, and I feel like some website designers don't realize to, that it's okay to just cut chunks of copy out as it responds down. You can just hide these blocks of content and sum it up in a sentence instead, because it's going to, one sentence on mobile is going to look like a, like a paragraph anyway. 100%. You're so true. You're so right there. Um, it is going to look like a lot of content and people don't want to also, you think about if you've got a slower connection, wherever you're at, it's eating up more of your data and it's taking yeah. longer to load with more of the content. So you have to think about what sort of experience they're having on a mobile device. And you do want to cut that down. And you're right. I don't think a lot of designers think about that. They think that everything that is on the desktop needs to be there on the mm -hmm. mobile version. And just by purely making it look good on the mo mobile version, that is enough. And it's not. You have to think of that yeah. experience. And what, what does someone on a mobile device really need from you at that moment? How about load times? Yeah. So load times, I mean, people have short, short attention spans. If your site won't load in under three seconds, they're on to the next tab. I bet you could even cut that down to a second. I mean, that's just showing how important it is to yeah. have a site that loads quickly. Agreed. So the site, obviously communicating uh, what it is that you do, how you do it, uh, who you do it for, the team members that are going to support it. How do you how do you make this thing work for you? How do you make it start generating leads? Like what are some little tactics that you implement? First off, like one of the easiest things that you can do to start generating leads is to have a blog. It's one of those mm. low risk areas. Um, a lot of people think that they've got to that I don't know, I think a lot of people are scared of having a blog. And it's really one of the most important ways that you can draw people in and then continue to communicate with them over the long haul. You can message them when you have a new blog post. And if you put out really great content and you are a thought leader in your area, you're gonna have the information that they wanna hear. But also having some, we call this you know, paid content or more valuable content, it's, something that's a little bit beefier than a blog post. Um, mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to give away your secrets in put together an ebook that tells exactly how you would execute something. I think a lot of the times companies are afraid to put too much information out there, but in the long run, if you think about who your buyers are, they want someone else to do it for them. They don't want to do it themselves. They're all time starved. They don't have the time to do it. But the fact that you're showing them a peek behind the curtain and how you would do it, breaks down that wall of trust really quickly. And so it gives them an opportunity. And then the great thing is, is you can ask for contact information in exchange for that piece of content because it is so valuable. So having some sort of lead generation form on your website that then collects name and email or maybe even a phone number. I remember, so going back to your point about uh, give away your secrets or make it something extremely valuable. It was probably five years ago. I think, I can't remember if it was Pipedrive or HubSpot or Nutshell. One, one of the CRM companies uh, had a lead magnet where they 
built a CRM in Microsoft Excel and we're giving it, they're basically showing you, here it is for free. You'll track your contacts, you'll track your deals, but there was no automation to it. There was no co-working inside the same document. What they were providing you was, uh, or what it helped me understand was that, man, I really need to use this tool and it is super annoying that no one else can get in here. And immediately the value and the price, the value exceeded the price. Like almost within a week, I understood so much more around why I needed to be paying for a CRM. That's just a really great example of a lead magnet that I thought was, they were, they were competing with them. They were giving you something that would compete with them, yep. but they had so much faith in the product that they knew you were never going to choose an Excel document as cool and functional as it was over, you know, a, a collaborative real-time tool. And that's a great way to get past that initial, I guess, an initial objective that some people are going to have with your product or service. Like, well, why couldn't I do it this way? Why couldn't mm-hmm. I build a cheaper website? Why couldn't I just manage it in Excel? Well, hey, guess what? You can. And here you go. We're going to tell you, we're going to show you exactly how <laughs> yeah. to do it. We're going to give you a document that will allow you to build it there. And we're so confident that you're not going to like that experience that we're going to give that to you for free. And then you're going to try it and you're going to realize there's got to be a better way. Yeah. Okay. So I know a lot of people feel like websites are expensive and I think they are unfairly comparing freelancer rates, uh, especially now with like Upwork and Fiverr and offshore freelancer rates, which is even lower, to agency rates, to internal teams doing it. What What is it that usually, as the price gets more expensive, what's driving some of that cost? Yeah, you're really right. What, what's like a bad rap? I don't know what it is. If it's something like everyone thinks their neighbor's kid, then the kid next door can do this in their basement or what it is. Oh. But <laughs> yeah, people, people definitely don't want to pay for a website and they get a lot of sticker shock when they see those initial price tags come along with a website. But you have to think of the value that a website brings. I mean, let's start with this question, Ryan. How much would you pay for a well-producing sales representative on your team? Oh, I mean, somebody that's closing deals and B2B, six figures for sure. I mean, that's just, even if it's base plus variable, you're, yeah, I'm throwing down. But now that you say that, it would give me heartburn to throw down, to think about throwing down 100,000 on a website. Okay, keep going. I see where you're going. You don't have... I mean, you definitely don't have to spend, people can spend over $100,000 on a website, but you don't have to, to have a great working website. Um, however, you do have to think about the value that that website is bringing. I mean, it is like having a sales representative, um, mm-hmm. one that doesn't take any breaks or vacation and he works 24 hours a day and he says all the right yeah, things. Totally. And, you know, that site is out there doing that, doing the work of what one BDR could be doing for you. And probably it's going to, you know, if you can get it working right and you do all the right things, it's going to bring in a lot more leads than what a sales team could be bringing in for you. So you have to think about the value in that aspect, but you also have to think about why they are so expensive to create a good one is you're looking at needing different skill sets and individuals involved. You want someone who understands strategy behind what it is that you're trying to market and sell. You want a good copywriter who can understand how to say things quickly and who can really get into the pain points your customers have and speak to them in a way that's going to attract them to the product. You want a great designer who has 
experience. And this is like with any industry, you pay for the level of experience. Yes, you can hire an entry-level graphic designer to do something, but that's not going to bring the value that someone with many years of experience and usability is going to bring to the table and give you a very professional looking site. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot that goes into the coding. You want a developer who really understands how to design a site so that it loads quickly and that it follows all of the rules that Google puts out there that can damage your reputation if you if you haven't coded your site correctly. Yeah, that's I agree with you all the way. You got to compare it to a working part of your sales team and that investment. So then you say, okay, well, I'm going to do a $20,000 website. Now, when I say 20, now it actually seems too low because I'm thinking, for somebody that's going to prospect and work contacts as hard, 20000 sounds like, like below minimum wage. I think that's a great analogy. I think it's a good way to re, you know, for them to realign their expectations with uh, an apples to apples comparison. So uh, I totally agree with that. Um, okay. So for the folks that maybe don't know what, if their site is good or what they need to change, uh, or the ones that are contemplating switching over, what do you recommend that they do? What's what's the process of starting to maybe look at redoing your site? Yeah, I think if you're starting to think that your website's, you know, getting a little outdated, a little old and smelly and needs to have a refresh, um, sometimes that could be just if you're not getting any sort of results from it, if you don't have an opportunity to collect leads from your site, ask some friends and family, you know, what do you think of my site? Does it look a little dated? Are the graphics outdated? I mean, that's usually a good place to start. But beyond design itself, I think, Every two to three years, it's always a good and I always a great idea to update and refresh. You're not always having to start from scratch, but if it's been more than three or four years, you probably are going to have to do an overhaul. Technology changes at such a fast rate that the code that was probably built, your site was built in three to four years ago is outdated and needing a bit of an update in order to keep your site fast and compliant with Google. Google will actually downgrade oh, you in search results if you're not playing by all the rules that they've put into place. That's a good point. Would you also uh, recommend to people that as part of their process, they need to be putting in those lead magnets or the the asset, you know, it's, you talked about the site and then you were also talking about the assets that can drive people further into the funnel. Is that also something that you recommend they look at at the same time? Absolutely. A few of the things that I would 100% recommend you have on your site is one, a blog. Um, blogs are probably the one of the most overlooked. I think a lot of businesses think, oh, bloggers are for, you know, the mommy bloggers and things like that. They just get a bad rap, but putting out articles of content that show that you're a subject matter expert. If you look at what a blog can do for you through the life, entire life cycle of your sales process, you can use it to attract new leads. You can use it to continue to push those articles out and keep in contact with individuals throughout the state, different stages. If you've got like a long sales process, it's a great way to stay in contact. Um, It's a great way to combat objections. You can write a blog post on common objections or questions that you get in the sales process. And so when you do have those, yeah, when you've got those popping up and you, you know, you're talking to a customer and they're like, well, what about X? It's like, oh, hey, we've got a blog article on that. Let me send it to you. And it just gives you another way to explain it to them. I love that idea. So it's not you delivering the objection response. It's the blog is the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. And let them, I love, that's such a great idea. I got to write that down. Um, Well, this, 
I mean, this has been very helpful. I've some of these takeaways have been great. Um, the comparison apples to apples with a salesperson, you know, the lead magnets, making sure that people aren't holding back uh, good information because they feel like it's going to give the competition a leg up, whatever, sell better, sell harder like that. You should never be afraid of your competition. I mean, you should just use that. It's just a pace setter in the race. So maybe set your new pace uh, on your own. But um, this has been awesome. I would love to give people a way to connect with you, maybe give 15, 30 minutes if they have questions, if they want to, you know, not they're not looking to buy, they just want to know, is my site a piece or not? Is my, you know, and I think hearing you, knowing what your background is, where you've been, all of your experience, it might be really helpful. So maybe we could provide a couple of links to uh, yeah, some Absolutely. Consoles. If you guys want to, yeah, throw it in your show notes, you guys can throw a meeting link to my calendar. And if anyone wants to schedule 15, 30 minutes with me, I'll take a look at your site, let you know where you can make some improvements that yeah. really, really will add to your bottom line again. Yeah, that's great. I think that would be very helpful. Uh, don't call me. I don't know anything about this. So I go to Crystal for all of it. Um, well, thank you. This was a great conversation. I, I actually want to follow it up with a part two. I want to get deeper into some of these assets that people should be thinking about because I just don't see enough of them uh, on these B2B sites. And maybe that could be a great follow-up here. I think it would be a great month or two. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. Have a uh, great day. Appreciate you joining.